Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. In the midst of a crazy day in Saigon, where we had 12 students trying to prepare for their collaborative cooking competition, in the middle of the Caravelle Hotel, six Vietnamese and six Kiwi students trying to create a menu to impress three serious judges. One of those judges, Brendan Partridge, currently the executive chef at the JW Marriott Hotel in Hanoi. That's a story in itself. That hotel is insane. It's crazy. And he is a young lad with a big job. But he has lived in China. He's lived in Thailand. And he's worked in Australia. He's a Kiwi boy, but he has wings on his feet. He's well known for his serious skill level and his always happy, smiling face. I was so, so, so thrilled when he just immediately said, of course I'll do an interview with you. What time and where can we do it? So we found our little place and little corner in the bar in the caravel where we thought it might be quite quiet. Well, it wasn't as quiet as we were expecting, but then again, this is Vietnam. So stay tuned and hear this wonderful story about Brendan and his journey as he becomes a really well-known, really serious executive chef of a really serious hotel here in Hanoi, Vietnam. Hey, Brendan, I just turned around then in the ballroom of the Caravel and spotted you sitting there. Uh, thank you so much for coming today. My pleasure. Yeah, it's awesome to actually get to interview you because um, you're not really here, just all the way from Hanoi to Saigon for my podcast, but thank you for sharing your time. You're here for something a little bit more exciting, of course. Do you want to share, A, what your position is uh, and what you're, what you're doing in Hanoi, and secondly, what you're doing here today? Okay, so... Um I'm the executive chef at the JW Marriott Hanoi. Um, I've been I've been in Vietnam for three and a half years now. So I came to Vietnam to open the hotel. Uh, we have a stunning hotel in Hanoi, 450 rooms, big big operation. We're doing at least a thousand covers a day, um, so it's a big operation. But I actually got invited down here to be a judge in the Vietnam New Zealand Culinary Collaboration. I think this is a great initiative by um, Education, Education New, New Zealand. Zealand. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it tonight. Yeah, no, I'm really, really excited about being part of it, actually. I've sort of come in at the um, student end, you know, to help mentor the students. And it's been quite a process, Brendan, because, um, you know, they had to do it uh, collaboratively via the internet to start with. So we had that, you know, fraught with language difficulties, time difficulties, whether people could get internet connection and all that stuff. And then having to understand each other's cultures and now they've come together and it's really, really exciting to see them all mixing to, to create the meal for you tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. I, I think it's also great that uh, New Zealand students are working with um, other cultures as well and learning about different cultures because that's a big part of cuisine. It is. It's a really big part of cuisine and I think that um, actually the the Kiwi students have probably been really quite taken aback because, you know, it's really hard, isn't it, in New Zealand sometimes. You kind of feel like you're sitting down there at the bottom of the world and, you know, and New Zealand's such a beautiful place so you're just doing your thing and it's great and then you sort of have a perception that that's life um, and that everyone else who comes into New Zealand is an international student and, and, you know, that comes with that sort of vision of what an international student is. So to bring them here... 
and for them to realize, oh my goodness, you know, we're doing the same sort of thing. We're just in, from a different place, um, but we can do it together. It's been quite an eye opener for the Kiwi students. Yeah, and that exposure they're going to take with them for the rest of their life, and that's going to help them in the future as well. Mm. If they choose to work overseas or they choose to work in New Zealand, managing multicultural workplaces is, yeah. is very important. Because it is a changing face of the world. Um, you need to be able to understand different cultures and be accepting and open minded about you know the fusing of two different cultures. And I, what better way to do it than through food, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that everybody has in common. Yeah, well, that's what I think too. It's all about, you know, nurturing relationships everyone's got to eat so yeah it can bring people together even if you don't speak the same language yeah. 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 So how did you end up here? You're a Kiwi boy. Yes yes (laughs) so I actually studied at uh, Otago Polytechnic Um, worked around New Zealand for a little bit then moved to Australia worked in Australia for a couple of years and I actually joined Marriott in Surface Paradise on the Gold Coast. Oh wow. So I worked with Marriott for two years in Surface Paradise my boss got transferred to Jada Marat Phuket. So he'd been in Phuket for a couple of months and he called me up and said, hey, I need you over here. Do you want to come? I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Absolutely. So I followed him to Phuket. Unfortunately, he ended up leaving and, and I stayed on. Uh, after Phuket, I transferred. So I was in Phuket for two years. Then I transferred to China and still with Marriott. Oh, where, so, did you, where did you live in China? So first I was in Hainan, okay. Okay, which is a beautiful tropical island, beautiful beaches, resort. So from Phuket to there, fairly similar? Yeah, yeah, yeah very similar. And after that, I moved to northern, uh, northern China and I was in Beijing for three years. Oh, wow. So Beijing was a great experience as well. Cold at times? Winter is freezing cold. That's what I've heard. But, you, you know, I always say it's only cold if you're not prepared. Yeah, that's yeah? true. As long as you've got the right yeah. clothes, yeah. Yeah, so if you've got a nice big warm jacket, you're fine. Um, so I was in Beijing for three years, worked in a few other hotels around, Be- uh, around China as well, including Hangzhou, uh, Shanghai. And after that, I got the phone call saying, hey, we want you to go to Hanoi to open the Jade of Marriott there. And uh, so that's really interesting. I mean, you've obviously loved to travel. Did you travel as a child or has this just come about through the fact that your that's your culinary background? You've you've grabbed at the opportunity to use that. To yeah, yeah. I, th- that was really one of the um, one of the draw cards that, that brought me in, into the love of cooking as well is the world of food. Mm. So, you know, being able to travel with food and explore different cultures with food as well as, yeah, it's what I love doing. Mm. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. In fact, um, it's all I ever wanted to do. You know, I kind of was as steered as a, you know, student to not study. Well, it wasn't that I wasn't steered to study food. It was just that, you know, I was steered to do other things by both the institution, parents, the situation at the time when I graduated. Um, and all I ever wanted to do was food. You know, that was the love. You know, I'd finish uni and couldn't wait to get to my job in hospitality. I just always loved yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So um, out of interest, I just was thinking about your fact that you moved from China to here. What were the differences in working? You know, are there quite big differences between China and Vietnam in the way you've had to work and run a hotel? Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Um, in China, the, the culture is obviously, obviously very, very different. And different parts of China have a slightly different culture as well. But in the, in the north of Vietnam, people are a lot stronger. Um, they can come across a little bit cold at first. But once you actually start talking to them, get to know them, they're actually very, very warm and welcoming. Um, and then if you move down to Vietnam... In the north of Vietnam, I find you still see some influences of 
um, Chinese food in the northern Vietnamese mm. cookery. But obviously, again, as you move through Vietnam, the culture slightly changes and the food slightly changes as well. So, sorry, when you said the north, actually you said the north of Vietnam, the people are quite cold but then become warm. Did you mean China? No, sorry, China. China. Yes, sorry, China. <laughs> I was just no, 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 no. Okay. The, um, the people in Vietnam, very, very friendly. So very friendly, warm, aren't they? Very welcoming. Um, I, I, when I worked in Phuket and in Thailand, I used to think Thailand was the best place for hospitality and hotels. Mm. When I go back to Thailand now, I don't feel the same. And I think that's now just because I've experienced Vietnam. And Vietnam is amazing. The people are so friendly, so welcoming. Uh, they work really hard. Mm. They have great personalities. They have a good sense of humor as well, which goes a long way. Mm. Do you find uh, – gosh, you've tapped onto so many things there. I have so many questions. Do you find uh, – because I lived in Indonesia, Singapore and here – that – the perception of people who haven't been as fortunate as you and I in travelling uh, to different parts of Southeast Asia, that there's a general kind of feeling in our countries of, of New Zealand or Australia, which is where I'm originally from, of, oh, they're Southeast Asian. And, and it sort of is a bucket of Southeast Asian. And then you and I are, are sitting here saying, you know, what's the difference between the Chinese and the Vietnamese? And, and there's huge differences. I mean, these countries have very distinct people and cultures and their own way, you can't really lump them all in one basket. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. And I, I even noticed that in Australia and New Zealand, working both as well, that um, if somebody comes from an Asian country, generally we think that, that they're thought that they can do Japanese food or whatever, you know, the cuisines of Asia are really specialised and the cultures are very, very different. And sometimes because we're so far away, maybe we, we don't realise that, you know, mm. until you actually go and experience it. Yeah, because that's what I found as well. And Indonesia, um, which I love hugely as well for its uniqueness, but definitely the people, the work ethic. Uh, I thought they had fantastic service. I was a bit like you. I thought they had fantastic service until I lived in Vietnam. Mm. And it's just the friendliness. And I hope that the Kiwi students we've brought with us this time or anyone who gets to work in these countries stops and actually thinks, wow, you know, every, we can all take a little bit of that back home with us because there's just no attitude except serving you, you know, with pleasant – to make your life and your experience wherever you are a really pleasant and happy one, which is really what hospitality should be about. Yeah, correct. Not grumpy staff. <laughs> correct, correct. You, you know, in, in a big uh, hotel like ours, obviously the expectation is very high mm. um, and the amount of comments we get about how great our associates are is just overwhelming. Um but again, that that's what can make the difference between a, a big hotel like ours is 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 our is our people. That's what makes a difference. It's it's nothing else really. And is the staff quite multicultural in the management level of the JW Marriott? Like, have you got quite a, a nice mix of European, obviously Kiwi and um, Vietnamese staff? Yes, working together. Yes, at the moment we have we have quite quite a big mix. Um, we have German, we have some Vietnamese, we have Dutch. English and American and myself. And that's really just because we've, we've just opened the hotel and all these people who come here to help open the hotel have worked with the company before. So they want to bring that Marriott culture to the hotel. And once that culture is really embedded, then these, our positions will be replaced with local. 
Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? And I would imagine that it's a very prestigious place to work. So you must have a lot of Vietnamese incredibly keen to come and work there or striving in other places of work, hoping to have an opportunity to be able to come and work there one day. Yeah, yeah. we do. But, you know, in, in my team, I have 136, a brigade of 136 as chefs and stewarding. And every single person really appreciates having their job and enjoys coming to work each day. And that's something that we try to adopt in our kitchen as well is that people must enjoy what they're doing. You spend a lot of time there, so you, you really must have the passion and enjoy it. I, I, I saw today in this hotel um, the little chef's room on the side of, you know, and it's so dungeon-like, isn't it? I mean, being a chef, you have this, like, glamorous image, especially because there's all these celebrity chefs nowadays. So we all sit back and go, oh, what an amazing life to be, you know, a celebrity chef or an executive chef. And then you go down into the bowels of a big hotel and you've got a little office tucked over there on the side that doesn't look particularly flash at all. And you think... There's a lot of hours with no windows, with no sunlight, just basically running a serious, you know, enterprise of kitchens and cold rooms and... Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's 100% <laughs> correct. It's not as glamorous as what everybody thinks. And, you know, it, it can be really tough. It can be really tough. The long hours when other people are off enjoying themselves, you're usually working. Mm. But, you know, you build a real good camaraderie and you have a lot of fun in the kitchen together and you build real long-term life friends. Yeah, I don't think there's any other industry quite like it. It's very, very unique. Yeah, I think it is too. I notice with a lot of Vietnamese, you know, they know their own food really, really well. And Vietnam has their really traditional and unique dishes, you know, unlike mm. New Zealand and Australia. Um, and many, many, many cafes and restaurants around Ho Chi Minh City, you know, it is the same food in every second restaurant at the end of the day. They're just the quintessential Vietnamese dishes. Do you find that the Vietnamese who are working for you are loving the fact that they're actually learning outside of their family and regional dishes? Yeah, definitely. And that's why a lot of people actually come to work with us mm. because um, in our kitchens we have a few expats in our kitchen as well. So we have in our French restaurant, we have a French chef in there. So, and the menu's changing all the time, so they get to learn a lot of new dishes. At our Chinese restaurant, the wok number one, he's from Hong Kong. Then we have a dim sum chef from Guangzhou, barbecue chef from Guangzhou. So they really get to learn authentic food and... Yeah, everybody loves to learn. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Lifelong learning yeah. for all of us. Yeah. yeah. So what about you? What's Where would you like to be, you know, hopping on to next from here or are you? Uh, good question. Um, for, for me, I'm, I'm happy here in Hanoi. Um, I, I love what I'm doing. I love the people I work with. I love the hotel I work in. and But in general, I love Asia. Yeah, so, me too. You, you know, I want to stay in Asia for longer. There's a lot of opportunity here. Um yeah, I just love it. Do you get back to New Zealand much? Yeah, I go back to New Zealand every year or every second year, depending um, when I can get away from work or if we have other engagements, we need to go somewhere else. Yeah, and where are you yeah. from in New Zealand? Dunedin. Oh, you're a South Dunedin boy. boy. Yep. Oh, you better not ask those students tonight where they're all from because it might uh, <laughs> sway well, your decision I, I on their food. I noticed there was one um, from Otago Polytechnic yep. Central Campus. Yes. Yep. Yep. There's a Dunedin. there's a Dunedin lass in there. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Excellent. So you're from Dunedin. So, oh, well, of course, you were used to the 
the cold in Beijing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're used to it. So, how when you grew up in Dunedin, was food uh, you know an integral part of your family, or is it just something that you knew you had a sort of flair for? How did you end up being a culinary student? Yeah, it's quite funny. You know, my my grandparents actually they used to own hotels, so they owned oh, wow. hotels around Central Otago. And so school holidays and long weekends and everything would go up and stay in their hotel. Um, and I'd be in the kitchen helping my, my nana. Uh, she was, has Italian heritage, so that, that cooking came out naturally in her. And she was, she was the one that was doing all the food in the hotel. Um, and I think that's really where it began. Um, after that, also during the week, every day I'd be cooking family meals. You know, mum and dad were both working, and my sister would be studying for exams, so I'd, I'd cook family meals. So at what age were you cooking family meals? Probably from 14 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to make sure my children sit down and listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> at 13 and 14. <laughs> and then by the time I was 16, I, I had a part-time job working bakeries after school. Wow. So, and... So that's really where I started. Once I finished Polytech and while I was doing Polytech, I was actually working in bakeries as well. So I have a love and a passion for bread as well. Oh, oh yeah. and here you are in Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah. So do you, how does your passion for bread sort of shine considering you're, you know, well, I mean, they kind of like bread here, but not really. Well, in Vietnam more so than other Others. Asian countries. Yeah. So, so it's nice. Um, we have some great bakers in our hotel. And I, I always share ideas with them or, or give them some recipes for them to try and play around with. And, and in our hotel, we, we have some fantastic breads now. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. yeah, it is always the five-star hotels where you can find nice bread in yeah, these countries. Yeah. It's but, but again, you know, um, sometimes what I think is a fantastic bread is different to what people in Asia would like as a, as a bread as well. So we always take that into consideration. Like quite popular here is um, sweet soft yeah, breads, yeah. whereas uh, I'm, I'm more of a fan of sourdoughs and crusty breads. So, you know, we also do some local breads and some Asian-style breads where it's a sweet bread with pork floss or red bean or things like that. Yum! <laughs> <laughs> So do you see yourself ever setting up your own restaurant or are you are you kind of happy in this sort of environment of hotels? Yeah, I consider it quite often. Um, but I know what it takes to run a restaurant. I know the financial obligation. I know the the time obligation. Um, it's a lot more difficult than what than what people realize it mm. is. So it's, it's always something that I have in the back of my mind. Um, and if I were to do it, I'd probably go something like a cafe and bakery along those lines. Yeah, so similar to Dean Brett Schneider or someone like that yeah. who's kept it more relaxed rather than yes. a fine dining. Yes, yeah. so I, I, I really like casual, um, the casual ambience. Mm. But just because ambience is casual doesn't mean the food can't be amazing. Fantastic. And I, know? Think, you know, I think it's changing, isn't it? If you go back to New Zealand now and eat, there is some – Absolutely amazing food, but it's in a really simple setting. So it, it sort of changed from people wanting to go and have a really elaborate fine dining dinner anyway um, in New Zealand. I'm noticing that people yep. are moving away from that quite a lot. They just want to be relaxed and um, but really good food, demanding yeah. about the food and yeah. the quality of food and the produce. <laughs> Mm. Well, if you have great produce to start off with, that's all you, all you really need. You know, you don't need to do too much with it after that. But there's nothing more uncomfortable than going into a restaurant that actually feels like a library. 
I know. You know everybody has to be quiet. and It used to all be like that, yeah, though, didn't but, it? Yeah, but that's no fun. And kids know? to be seen and not heard. And I think also it is changing as well. I mean, I... You know, my kids, I've obviously been brought up in Asia and we took them to a lot of places. They have been very, very spoiled in the food and the sort of restaurants that they've eaten in along the way. Um, but I think that's everyone nowadays is out with their kids. Everyone is treating children to interesting food and it's not like the kids get one thing and you get something else. They're ordering off the same menu in general. Yeah. Um, so therefore, restaurants tend to have become more casual and accepting of that rather than the fine dining where you would never dream of taking a child. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah we, um, I went to Paul Bacuse in uh, Lyon. Oh, you're just making me <laughs> jealous now. <laughs> a few years ago. But this is a funny story about bringing a child to a restaurant. You know, me and my wife were traveling there with our daughter and we, we didn't have a babysitter, so we... we and I didn't want to pass up going there. It's the, it's the institute. You have to go. And the maitre d' was giving us the dirty, dirty look all night long. But actually, Paul Bacuse, the owner, actually still he came around to all the tables to see everybody. And he goes up to our daughter and gave her a little, a little kiss. And yeah, so he didn't. How mind. old was she? She was only two. She slept for the time that before we arrived to the restaurant. As soon as they served first course, she woke up. <laughs> I think she got to try every single dish and then she went straight back to sleep. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. And I love that he came out and was just yeah. – I mean, I guess if she'd been sitting there screaming, that's a different scenario. But, Correct. you know, she yeah. obviously was sitting there eating her yeah. way through the menu quite happily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and also where 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 is that? Which part of – That's in Leon. Yeah, Leon. No. I mean yeah. – there could have been equally a poodle at another table correct, in correct. France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's, that's completely acceptable. So um, if you had to pick a cuisine from around the world that you're absolutely passionate about, have you got one, like a particular country's cuisine, uh, well, like Nana's yeah. Italian or? <laughs> no, I, I never really have favourites. You know, people always ask me, oh, what's your signature dish? What's your favourite to cook? What? And... I've never really been somebody who's had favourites, but, you know, I I have favourites for very short periods. Mm. So if I find an ingredient that's in season or a new ingredient, then then I play around with that, and that's my favourite for two or three months until something else comes along, and that can be a different ingredient, it can be a different technique, it can be a different cuisine. So, yeah, it changes all the time. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because someone, when I um, started my business and uh, I sat down with a mentor for a couple of times and they kept saying to me, you must have a niche. You have to pick one thing and do it really, really well. And I don't disagree with that in business and in yep. life in general. However, I said, I can't. You know, I've lived in Italy. I've been in America and I've cooked there. I've lived in London. I've like, yeah, okay, I've been spoiled. I've lived in a lot of different countries. But consequently, I cannot choose because it changes. Sometimes I cook, you know, you get into a kind of an Italian rhythm and, yep. and all your dinners seem to have like an Italian flavor at home. And then all of a sudden we get sick of that. And you suddenly go kind of more light. And yeah. so it's Vietnamese or whatever. And I run with that for a couple of weeks because that's the stocks I've bought or the sauces I've bought. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yes. in the Asian pantry mode. <laughs> um, so in the end, I called it Kitchens Without Boundaries. That's the tagline because it's just like, I don't have any boundaries. Right, okay. I'm sorry. And I'm I, 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 I see the tagline. Okay, so nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it's come from because cool. I was being told that I had to come up with something. And I'm like, okay, no boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm like, yeah, I'm exactly the same as you, I just think. And also, you know, your world, the world is so huge for food that it yeah. seems sad to have to niche down to one thing. Correct. Correct. It's all about 
inspiration and what inspires you at the moment. Mm, Exactly, exactly. Hey, um, I'm going to let you go so that you can have a little bit of time. And I know we've got a briefing in there about uh, the judging tonight and everything else. It was an awesome, awesome um, chatting to you. Thank you so much for doing the interview with me. It's very exciting. And I hope that we can provide you some beyond edible and delicious food tonight (laughs) from these students who I've been mentoring. Um, They're certainly really, really like they're excited, but they're really nervous in there. You can probably appreciate that from when you were younger. Um, Yeah, it's been quite an eye opener and they're a little bit um, shell shocked, I think. But (laughs) That's all part of the fun. Hey, Great. thank you so much for your time. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Oh, gosh, I love this podcast. It's so exciting to talk to such amazing and inspiring guests who are also so passionate about food and the journey that it plays uh, in life for all of us, really. If you would like to touch base with me online, then please jump on to foodfamilyfriendspodcast.com. I'm going to be popping up blog posts and recipes and information there following on from our wonderful audio journey here. You can also find out what other podcasts are around in our network of worldpodcasts.com. If you're in New Zealand, you can also track on to our local page, which is podcasts.co.nz. Huge thank you for my supporters here in New Zealand with the podcast. It has been an extraordinary opportunity and, uh, gosh, I'm absolutely loving being the host. So thanks to the listeners. You are stars. Looking forward to uh, chatting and sharing again next week. Bye. I'll take what's good. The Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com.